Praise the Lord. Take your Bibles, turn to the book of Ezra. That's right, Ezra. Old Testament, chapter 1, the book of Ezra. You deserve it. Well, they're finding Ezra. You deserve it. It's right next to Second Hezekiah. Just kidding. There's no Second Hezekiah. You deserve it. You deserve it. You deserve it. You deserve it. Oh, you do. You deserve it. You deserve it. Here we go. Thank you, Pastor Alex and worship team. We deeply appreciate you. Ezra chapter 1. Are you ready? Greetings to our online folks. We're glad that you can be here when you can't be. But I will say, if you're able to be here, perhaps you should be. Thank God for this stream going all around the world through Facebook and Greetings to all our people in Missouri that watch weekly, and people down in Florida, and the East Coast, and the West Coast. God's touching our nation. Ezra chapter 1, you all there? Reading from the New International Version. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of King Cyrus of Persia to make a proclamation throughout his realm and so also put it in writing and then it writes a decree. that I will just tell you before we move to the next scripture, that's worth meditating on if you would just read that in the way that it's written. The prophetic word comes forth and in order for the Lord to fulfill it, he moved on the heart of Cyrus. Okay. Let's go to Ezra chapter 3 and verse 8. If you're all there, say, woo. Gosh, that was good. In the second month and the second year, after the arrival at the house of God in Jerusalem, Zerubbabel, the son of Shant, the son of Shandai, Lisa Bigham said S-H. I have no idea. I don't want to mispronounce it, so we'll just leave it at that. Someone's son. Amen. Joshua, son of Zadok. I got that. And the rest of the people and the priests of the Levites and all who had returned from the captivity of Jerusalem began to work. They appointed Levites 20 years old and older to supervise the building of the house of the Lord. Wow. Go to verse 10 of that same chapter. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with trumpets, and the Levites, the son of Asaph, with cymbals, took their place to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord. Let's all read this together. He is good. He loved towards Israel endures forever. His love towards Israel endures forever. All right, go to chapter 4. I'm going to tie this all together. Book of Ezra, chapter 4. Trying to give you really just some touch points of where the Holy Spirit is bringing us. Ezra, chapter 4, verse 4. 
Then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid. Make them what? Make them afraid to go on building. They bribed officials to work against them and frustrate their plans during the entire reign of King Cyrus of Persia and down to the reign of Darius, king of Persia. All right, go to chapter 5. Chapter 5, book of Ezra. Chapter 5, verse 1. Now Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the prophet, a descendant of Edo, prophesied to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. Then Zerubbabel and Joshua, son of Zadok, set to work to rebuild the house of God in Jerusalem and the prophets of God were with them, supporting them. Very good. Go to Ezra. Chapter 6 now. It's just one more chapter over. Go all the way to verse 14. Give him praise in the house of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will remain forever. Ezra chapter 6, verse 14. So the elders of the Jews continued to build and prosper under the preaching of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah. They finished building the temple according to the command of God of Israel and the decrees of Cyrus, Darius, and Aristarchus, the king of Persia. Verse 15, last verse. The temple was completed on, the on what day? On the third day of the month of Adar in the sixth year, the reign of King Darius. Father God, we stand before you so grateful I'm mindful tonight that I, as I preach to your beautiful people who've been purchased by your blood, that I stand before the councils of God and before the, domi the, the dominions of hell and even Satan. And we've come to make a case and we've come to make a declaration and come to, Lord, call us up higher to fulfill what you've called us to do, not only in our own lives but corporately as a people even for King's Cathedral and chapels in this great end time harvest in which you have placed us. I pray and ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come, that you would give us living understanding that we might never be the same. Ignite a fire on the inside of us today by your word. May we never be the same, and may you be glorified in everything that's said and done. Forgive me, O oh God, for the mispronunciation of your great people. In Jesus' name. Hey, don't, hey, don't amen too loud over there. Come on. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. You may be seated. I love sports. I'm really not the kind of guy that loves sports on TV, although I can get into it. I loved playing sports. I still enjoy playing sports. I was called by a trainer not long ago, a decommissioned athlete. You know what a decommissioned vessel is. You know what a decommissioned battleship is, right? That's like a battleship that doesn't work anymore. It's been decommissioned. And I was talking to this trainer, and they were saying, well, you know, uh, decommissioned athletes such as yourself need to be careful about such and such and so. And so I'm like, I don't think I like that. And I think back about my sports career. I guess it's not really a career, but my history in sports. And I have so many memories that made a lasting impact on me. 
I had the, the great joy of playing three sports a year, and then I played a sport in the summer, surfing mostly. The three sports that I played was football, until I rebelled in my senior year, then I ran cross country. I said I rebelled against my coach, that's never good. And uh, I played, uh, uh, I was a wrestler. I wrestled from elementary school, middle school, wrestled in high school, and saved my life a couple times. Wrestling was a great sport. And then I was a lacrosse player. The best sport that I played was lacrosse. My father was a, a, a lacrosse player, and he put a lacrosse stick in my hands when I was, oh, I don't know, three, four, two, three, four, I don't know. My earliest memories have lacrosse sticks. And I had the great joy and privilege of being in a couple championships. And I think, Pastor Alex, you can attest to being in some serious games where there was a lot at stake. And you're going to win the championship or you're not. And I've had times where a coach had pulled me aside. Pulled me aside and specifically it was a lacrosse game. And it was the, it was the end. It was a championship game. And I was a senior that year. And this was it. This is like one of the last games you're going to play unless you go off to play in college. And I didn't happen to. And my coach took me aside and he grabbed me by the arm and he walked me out into the field. And he said, Bracken, this is one of your last games as a senior. I said, yes, sir. He said, this is your game. I believe that you could make the difference and then we could win this championship. I believe you can do it, Bracken. That's what they call me, call me Bracken. You know, some of you didn't even know that was my last name. And it put something in me. I just knew he was counting on me. I knew my teammates were counting on me. Little did I know he said that to about five or six other people. But it worked. I was it was interesting to me that he had selected me when there's some other superstars. He didn't seem to be talking to them, but he already had. And he put something in us. He challenged us. He called us up higher. I remember being on a JV in the JV football team. I didn't start varsity there as a freshman, so I was on JV. But I remember I got called up one game. Those JV football, and they said, Bracken, we're calling you up for this game, varsity. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I was more like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I want to preach a message to you entitled, Called Up. God has a great challenge before you. God has a great challenge before us. And challenges will be used by the Lord if we receive them rightly to make us who we're meant to be. Many that do it. The challenge will make you or break you. I've certainly been broken by some, but I've also been made by others. And all of us will face challenges. See, without being challenged, you'll never know what God can do in your life. If you can listen to the message that I preach to you in the next 20 to 30 minutes, it's definitely going to be 30. And receive a challenge that God is giving by His Spirit to you, your family, to us, and the church then God will do something in our hearts that will bring us up or call us up out of the JV. Can I say it that way? He's going to call us up to a higher place. Come on, someone say, I'm being called up tonight. Come on, say it again. T tell your neighbor, I'm being called up tonight. So we read this, these scriptures, which are really just a snapshot. But to get a proper view of what's going on, You'd have to read 2 Chronicles 36 and in different places and read all the books together. So I, I just got to give you kind of a snapshot. Let me read this to you. 2 Chronicles 36 and verse 20. And those who escaped from the sword, he carried away to Babylon, 
where they became servants to him and his sons until the rule of the king of Persia, verse 21, to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths. As long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbaths to fulfill 70 years. Verse 22 of 2 Chronicles 36. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and he also put it into writing. Thus says king of Cyrus, king Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth and the Lord God of heaven has given me. He has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah, who is among you of all of his people. May the Lord his God be with him. Let him go up. And so this, we begin to see this picture. Now, if you know the history of Israel, you know that because they rejected the commandment of the Lord, you know because they, they, they failed before and they sinned before God, they were brought into captivity. And I don't want to go into all those details, but this talks about them being carried off. And crazy Jerry, they, they said, oh, you're crazy because there was a lying spirit in the mouths of some other prophets and said, oh, no, everything's going to be okay. But that, that's not what happened. It wasn't okay. Oh, but in God, it was. And so Jeremiah said, no, they're coming. Babylon's coming. We're going down. And in fact, they're brought off into captivity. For 70 years, he said, they would be captive. Now in Jeremiah 25, 11, let me read this to you. And the whole land shall be in desolation and astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. How many years? 70 years. And then it will come to pass when 70 years are completed that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation. The land of the Chaldeans for their iniquity, says the Lord. And I will make it a perpetual desolation. And so if you study the history and you study the scriptures, you'll find that that happened. In the time of Daniel, the great, the great prophet Daniel, whose book applies to today in a remarkable way. And when Daniel is an old man, he's there and a hand appears to write on a wall. And you can read this in the book of Daniel. And the hand writes on the wall, many, many tequila praise him. And they had no idea what that meant. This invisible hand. Can you imagine you're having dinner and an invisible hand shows up and writes on the wall. This place, Babylon, was considered impossible to destroy or, or, or penetrate their walls. They had chariot races on the walls. The hall is said to be so opulent that they had peacocks that would bring food around to the guests, that the hall was over a mile long, and guests from all over were seated there, and nobles. And, and if you go and read it, it says when the king went and took the vessels that were taken from the house of the Lord, and he began to drink from them, that was it. Oh, you, you might be thinking you're getting away with your sin, but you can cross the line, and that'll be it. There's grace, grace, grace until there's no more. And then God begins to deal. And they drank out of the vessels of the house of the Lord. And it was like, that's it. They've been weighed in the balance and found lacking, which is what many, many tequila praise means. And Daniel said, this night the kingdom will fall. 
Newell, and, the, and the knees says this, the, the, the scripture said that a king's knees were having fellowship. They were knocking together. I don't know if you've ever seen somebody really scared. I don't mean like, ah. I mean terrified. Their legs shake. They fall down. They scream and stuff. And that night, the kingdom fell. In Jeremiah chapter 29, look at some of these scriptures. For thus says the Lord, after seven years are completed in Babylon, verse 10, I will visit you and perform my good work towards you and cause you to return to this place. He's a prophetic word spoken that though you're going into captivity for 70 years, I'm going to bring you back. And the captivity begins in 605. Now this is, this is history. Listen, when you study scripture, these are not Aesop's fables. This is history, his story. And you can read this, and we've got archaeological findings. I mean, you've got to be dumber than a box of rocks to think that man just wrote the Bible and came up with it and passed it out as the opiate to the masses. No, no, it's the Word of God, and it can be proved through archaeological finds. Over and over, it can be proved through prophecies coming to pass. Over and over and over and over, you have to have more faith to believe that that what you're is holding in your hand through your smartphone or the leather-bound Bible with the onion skin pages that, that man wrote that by himself and came up with these cute little stories. What man would write something that condemns man? No one. Because man wrote it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Yes, God used men under the inspiration, under the God-breathed word as a holy man in holy fear. Captivity began in 605 B.C. The foundation was laid by the returning Jews in 536 B.C., guess how many years that is? You guessed it, 70. This is history. Go read history, and, and, and you will see that this is the case. That's amazing. Wow. Prophecy from Isaiah, and many have tied this prophetic word out of Isaiah to our president, who's the 45th president of the United States, calling him Cyrus, being the 45th president. Guess where? I, Isaiah 45, but I want you to go to Isaiah 44. Now keep in mind that we're right in the notes now. It's 150 years before this guy Cyrus ever shows up. 150 years before he's ever born. There is no Cyrus. He says, that's just all fabricated. No, it's not all fabricated. We have the Dead Sea Scrolls that predate Christ. I mean, there's so much evidence, my God. And so Isaiah chapter 44, I'm setting this up and then I'm going to go somewhere with it. Are you ready? Isaiah 44, verse 28, Who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, and he shall perform all my pleasure, saying to Jerusalem, you shall be built, and to the temple your foundation shall be laid. Verse 45, Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held to subdue nations before him, to loose the armor of kings. And by the way, when they came in through the gates that were left open, the king, and I mean, anybody had like lost their armor. You read a history through Josephus and, and different, uh, Josephus Flavus, he was a, he's a historian, he's a Jewish historian. It was not, he's not even a, he wasn't a believer, a Christian believer. They write about the fall of Babylon. In fact, some scholars say, and we don't know for sure, but some say this, that Cyrus actually saw Isaiah chapter 44 and 45 and got his battle plan to take down Babylon, which is interesting because it says that he would cross over on the dry rivers. And, and what he did, they say, is come through these moats 
But the gates of the city were left open. Why would the gates of the city be left open? Because everybody soiled themselves from a hand being writing on the wall. Many, many tequila praise him. I'm telling you, God's got a perfect timing. He knows how to bring breakthrough. He knows how to bring down the enemy. Right on the perfect timing when the word of God is released through Daniel the prophet. Cyrus is right. This is history. Right outside the city walls. And they're so freaked out. And the king's, the king's freaked out. Everybody's terrified. And and Daniel says, this night the kingdom's taken from your hand. While that's happening, Cyrus is coming in. And they just took everything, some say, without even a battle. And took so much gold and so much silver that it could not be weighed. Come on, he's an on-time God. Yes, he is. He's an on-time God. He may not be in a hurry, but he's going to be there right on time. Well, you might think it's past midnight, but it's not past midnight according to God. You just hold on to his word. It's a lamp and two or feet of light upon our path. You don't let the enemy whisper to you. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed for the Lord thy God is with you. He's going to bring you across. He's going to bring you in. He's going to set you on fire. He's going to fulfill his word, his good pleasure to do it. Come on, somebody shout in the house of God. So Daniel's there that night. The foundation was laid soon after the Jews returned to Jerusalem. But the building of the temple was delayed. I said the building of the temple is delayed for 21 years. Now that's older than some of you all. For 21 years, can you imagine laying a foundation for your house and then you wait 21 years? That's a long time. 21 years. You see, there was enemies there. There was enemies that didn't want the house of God built. And there's this group of people called the, anybody know? Samaritans. Samarians, pardon me. Samarians. And the Samarians wanted to, wanted to build with the Jews, and the Jews said, you cannot build with us because you're a mixture of faith. And he said, well, that's prejudice. Well, and uh, I'm probably prejudiced too. My kids are not going to marry unbelievers, no how, no way. I'm telling you, I'm, I, have pray, I have prayed for my children in Jesus' name. And should they rebel against the blessing, which they won't, because we've taught them too good already. Isn't that right, Danny? Give me an amen. We told Hannah, who's going to pick your husband? You are, Daddy. Yeah, she doesn't quite say it that way anymore. <laughs> but it's still true. What do you, that's pretty controlling. No, it isn't. Listen, listen. if you're so foolish to bless, I need to be kind. Just teach your kids to don't ever be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Otherwise, they'll have a ministry to their own family the rest of their lives, hoping that it gets a turnaround. And these Sumerians, they delayed the project. You say, well, how did they delay? Well, it's, it's, it's the devil used them. So here they go, they get this decree to go rebuild the temple, and they go back, and they start, and then they have to stop for 21 years. How did they delay the project? Well, they wanted the Jews to compromise, and you can study all this, and I'm going to move quickly through it. They wanted the Jews to compromise with them and corrupt their worship of God, and they said, no, we're not going to do that. But they, but they tried. And they tried, and they tried, and they tried, and it brought delay. They, the, the Sumerians used discouragement to stop the Jews. And you can, you can read through this. And the enemy, he's got nothing new up his sleeve. He'll try to get you to compromise. 
Because he knows that if you get compromising, you're gonna have, not going to have the favor of God on you. He knows that if you're not going to live for God, then you're not going to walk in power. He knows that if you can get the church of the living God all defiled, they're not going to have anointing. And where there's no anointing, there isn't everything supernatural that's going to happen. He's trying to get the body of Christ over in compromise to ordain homosexuals in the ministry. You can't do that. We love people. We love homosexuals and hate the sin. God loves people, but you can't bless what God says is wrong. You can't say, this is right when God says it's wrong. And if you do, you're compromising. He's all across our nation, all across the world, the Western world specifically. There's a, there's a sloppy agape and a false grace message out there that if you end up swallowing it and think you can just do whatever you want to and walk in the blessing of God, you're mistaken. If you don't hear messages about hell every so often, come on, then that's a dangerous place to be. You need to hear the truth. You are, Come on. You can't handle the truth. Yes, I can handle it. Give me the truth, God. And it'll offend. I don't want to offend anybody on purpose, but the Word of God offends. The Word of God will mess up your sin. But if you can get a paradigm shift and to walk in favor, walk in obedience, then you'll have joy everlasting at His right hand. There's pleasures forevermore. And if you quit eating from like eating from the, you know, the, the, the dog bowl of vomit, quit going back and press in, get out of your bondage, go to a women's encounter. Hallelujah. Unless you're a man. Go and get healed. Go and get free. Go and get filled with the Spirit and learn to live uncompromised. Samaritans try, to, Samaritans try to discourage and stop the Jews. They used fear. Oh, fear. They used frustration. They even got the government involved. They bribed God. I mean, it sounds like this is a text for today. They even got the government involved and brought some fake news. <laughs> tried to get everybody all freaked out. Yeah. Tenfold increase in nukes and stuff. Try to get everybody all freaked out. Try to get everybody all scared and afraid. He's nothing new under the sun. And the Jews overcame. Come on, say somebody say they overcame. They overcame by hearing and responding to the preached word of God by the prophets Haggai and Zechariah. They were able to overcome because they were under the preaching and the prophesying of two of the great men of God in Scripture. Now, if that doesn't preach to you, I don't know what will. Some of you, God wants to, I mean, all of us, God wants to move us to a place that we've never been before. He wants to move us off the JV onto the varsity and beyond. He wants to move us to a place of, of joy and, and power and authority and blessing. He wants to move us there, but many times we're so discouraged, we're so afraid, we're so compromised that we just don't know which way to go. Well, if we would just hear the word of the Lord, if we would just, come on, the word of the Lord was rare in the day of Samuel, and so the people had no restraint. One of the reasons America doesn't have a great move of God yet, and I said yet, although there are pockets of fire, there are pockets of revival, one of the reasons is because the word of God has been compromised, and many people shrink back from preaching the unadulterated word of the Lord. Don't ever be afraid of hurting people's feelings. Don't do it on purpose, but always do. Always take the right high road. Always do the right thing. Always submit to authority. Always obey the word of the Lord. And if you'll do that, then God will bless you. 
Pride comes before a fall. America needs more churches that are going to preach and teach the word of the Lord. And you and me, we need to get under preaching and teaching and prophecy in such a way that it fires us up to break off of compromise, break off discouragement, break off fear. I'm telling you, if you can get in a service that sets you on fire, man, you'll charge hell with a water pistol if God told you to do it. Man, if you can't feel something in this service tonight, it's probably something wrong. Come on, lift your hands to heaven all across this place. Come on, lift your hands and say, oh God, touch me. You see, tonight as I continue in this message, there's going to be fear that's broken off of you. Tonight, discouragement's going to be broken off of you because I'm going to preach you full of faith. I'm going to preach you happy. I'm going to preach you full of the word so that you know that God before you, who can be against you? A thousand may fall at your right side and 10,000 at your left, but it will not come nigh your tent. Oh, God is on the throne and the devil's been defeated. Can you say amen? amen. They were able to overcome the Sumerians through, through the prophetic word. Through good, solid preaching. I don't really care whether you like my preaching or not. I'm just the way that I am. Some say, well, you're just a little bit too much for me. That's okay. Go find somebody that's anointed and listen to that. It doesn't really matter. It's not an ego thing. Go, go find somebody uh, to get yourself full of faith and power to overcome discouragement, compromise, overcome your fear, and get you serving God with your hair on fire. Get connected. There's so many resources online right now. Oh, my gosh. You can go. You're like, I like the old-time preachers. You can go back and listen to messages from 60 years ago. You can go back and listen to the, 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 the revivals that broke out in the Hebrides if you want to. I've heard people say all kinds of excuses of how they can't, they can't, they can't. Look, there's, where there's a will, there's a way. And can't means won't, ladies and gentlemen. You need to get under some solid preaching and teaching of the Word. You need to eat the Word so you can become a spiritual athlete. You need to eat the scroll. Yes, it's bitter when it goes down sometimes. But, oh, I love what it does for me. Somebody say, feed me, Jesus. Feed me. And satisfaction doesn't come by being fed alone but by feeding others. They overcame opposition by hearing and responding to the word preached, the word of God preached by the prophets Haggai and Zechariah. And the word challenged them to persevere. And you can go read the words, and I'm going I'm to share some of them with you. The word challenged them to persevere and to believe the word. And in believing the word caused them to prosper. It says in 2 Chronicles 20, 20, believe the prophets and prosper. Ezra 6, 14, so the elders of the Jews built and they prospered. They what? They prospered through the prophesying of Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah. It says in Haggai chapter 1, verse 1, in the second year, king of Darius, I'm going to read a bunch of this. Second year, king of Darius, sixth month, the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came to Haggai, the prophet, to Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, It is time for you yourselves to... 
pardon me, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Listen carefully, because all this applies today. You've sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. He earns wages and earns wages to put him in a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord of hosts. I mean, it goes on and on. Look at verse 13. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message to the Lord's people. I'm with you, declares the Lord. They had people lying to them. You can't make it. You can't build it. You can't do it. Bunk. The word of the Lord is, yes, you can. The word of the Lord is, you can build it. And he begins to deal with them about their selfishness. He deals with, oh, you did, you're in paneled houses and the temple of the Lord's in ruins. In Haggai chapter 2, verse 4, But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua. The high priest, be strong. All of you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. Everybody say, get a job. Yeah, get a job for the Lord and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. And my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all the nations. And what is desired by all nations will come. That's the Lord. The Lord is the desire of all nations. It's another name for Jesus. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord. You see, when you... When you get under preaching and you get encouraged and you move forward in the plan of God, then he begins to break out with power. He begins to break out with favor. He begins to break out with the silver and the gold. I'm telling you, not having money is no excuse for doing anything God called you to. It's all an issue, a matter of faith. We never had one single cent to do anything God called us to do. And when we step out, it's then that your Jordan parts. Jordan never parts unless you put your foot in it. Come on, someone say, put your foot in it. I'm trying to call you up to a higher place. I'm trying to bring you up out of the JV into a place of rich fulfillment and satisfaction. I'm trying to preach you hungry. Preach you so that fear breaks off. Preach so that faith fills your heart. You can do it. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. The word of the Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. The word of the Lord, it's like fire that burns up everything in its path. The word of the Lord breaks the rocks that are in your path. It unplugs the stuffed, stopped places. The word of the Lord. You need the word of the Lord every day. And you don't, you don't need some prophet or some pastor even giving it to you. Although there's nothing wrong with that. But you need to get your own manna. You need to get up and get in the word and say, God, feed me. Show me. Speak to me. I need a word today. Now, if you're too tired to get up, you're too tired to not get up. You get in the word. You start, you say, well, I can't read. Well, there's no excuse for that either. Because just about everybody got a smartphone these days. You can find some internet somewhere. 
And somebody, you can hear the word spoken to you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. And if you don't hear the word, hear it and hear it, it changes you. But if you don't do that, you're not going to get changed. In Zechariah chapter 1, come on, look with me, verse 16. Here's some more prophetic words. These are the words that were spoken. Listen, listen to me. These are the words that are spoken to the people while they're rebuilding the temple. This is what they prophesied. So when it says they, prophet, prophet, they profited through the prophesying and the preaching of Haggai and Zechariah, this is what they preached. This is what they prophesied. We have it. I'm reading it to you. Zechariah chapter 1, verse 16. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I'll return, I will return to Jerusalem with mercy, and there my house will be rebuilt. And the measuring line will be stretched out over Jerusalem, declares the Lord Almighty. Proclaim further, this is what the Lord Almighty says. My towns again will overflow with prosperity. And the Lord will again comfort Zion and choose Jerusalem. Again in Zechariah chapter 2 verse 10. Shout and be glad, daughter of Zion. For I am coming and I will live among you, declares the Lord. Many nations will be joined with the Lord in that day and will become my people. I will live among you and you will know. That the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Zechariah chapter 4. Turn there please. Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6. And he said to me. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by power. Nor by might. But by my spirit says the Lord of hosts. Who are you? O great mountain. Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain. And he shall bring forth the the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of the temple and his hands will also finish it. We are in the midst of something that's beyond your human understanding. You've got to keep yourself encouraged. You've got to keep yourself on point. You've got to hear the word of the Lord to say, come up here, come on up here. I want to show you some things. You've got to push away compromise, push away fear. You've got to get on fire right now. You've got to get on fire. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, get on fire. Verse 10, for who has despised a day of small things? Oh, my. Zechariah chapter 8, verse 3. This is what the Lord says, I will return to Zion and dwell in Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called a faithful city. And the mountain of the Lord Almighty will be called a holy mountain. In verse 9 of the same chapter 8 of Zechariah, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Hear now these words. Let your hands be strong so that the temple may be built. This is what he's saying to them in the midst of the devil trying to be compromising him to compromise, pushing him and getting to quit. Let your hands be strong that the temple may be built. This is what the prophets said who were present when the foundation was laid for the house of the Lord Almighty. Zechariah 8 and 12, I love this scripture. For the seed shall be prosperous, the vine shall give its fruit, and the ground shall give her increase, (laughs) and the heavens shall give their due. And I will cause a remnant of this people to possess all these. And it shall come to pass that just as you were a curse among the nations, O house of Judah, O house of Israel, so I will save you, 
and you shall be a blessing. Do not fear. Let your hands be strong. Come on, look at your hands and say, God, make my hands strong. Listen, you can rebuild your broken family. You can rebuild your broken marriage. You can see your broken children saved, healed, and delivered. You can build a wall through prayer around your family and learn to go out and, and, and bring in the captives. You can, you can be used mightily by God in this hour. Not having money has nothing to do with it. God has no problem giving you money. And if you are of the mindset that you just need some more money and everything's going to be all right, you're completely confused. And furthermore, if you can't handle the money that you have, why would he give you more? He's a good steward. If you can't handle the money that you now have, it might be the devil that you would give you more. Come on, you got to learn to be a good steward. You got to take every thought captive. You got, come on, you're stewards of the mysteries of God. God wants to use you to rebuild things. We can see this nation rise again with a great revival in every city, every town, every hamlet, every borough, at every church, down every gravel road. We can see the power God put on display again. Is there a people who will say, oh, send me, God, send me, send me on fire, God, use me, use me, Lord. I I don't want to sit here and grumble and complain. I want to be used by you. You see, a house of prayer. You have yet to see the mighty evangelistic anointing that will overtake you. But I'm on you. Continue to yield to it. Continue to do the things that you're doing. And you will find a fire that's shut up in your bones. You'll find yourself in places that you don't really care whether you get fired or not because you'll be so on fire and everybody gets saved. But they'll look at you like Stephen even wanting to throw stones. Don't be afraid in that hour, says the Lord, for I'll put my words in your mouth. I've called you and I've anointed you. I've called you and I've anointed you. I'm with you, says the Lord. I'm with you, says the Lord. Don't be dismayed and don't worry about the time. I've got it all under control. I've got everything under control. Just stay crazy in love and with crazy obedience and watch and see what I'll do. Come on, somebody say hallelujah today. All right, let's get into that. I believe that God is speaking to us. He's certainly speaking to me. God has ordained you to be alive at this time. Turn to Acts 17. God has ordained you. He's ordained me. He's chosen you. He's chosen me. He's chosen us to be alive at this time for his purposes in the earth. And if you were supposed to be alive at some other time, then you would have been. But by the fact that your heart beats within your chest and you're breathing today, most of you, come on, check yourself. Then that means that you're right on time. He's got you right exactly where you should be. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 26, He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times. Come on, God's got a pre-appointed time. And boundaries of their dwellings. So they should seek the Lord and hope that they might grope for Him and find Him, though He's not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being. Oh, that heaven would open tonight. That deception would fall from your heart. That you'd begin to lift your head and see that your redemption draws nigh. That you'd begin to let your heart swell under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. To know that you've been chosen for this time. For this hour, John 15, I've chosen you, I've appointed you, I've selected you to bear forth fruit and fruit that remains. You're not some dirt bag, some throwback or some accident that was made in the back of a 1557 Chevy or whatever you might have heard from your parents or your step-parents or your foster parents. God has called you. He knows you by name. 
name. He sent you out of heaven. He knit you together while you're in your mother's womb. Come on, you're on time. You're right where you should be if you're under the sound of my voice. You're on time. Understand that the prophets of old saw the day that we're living in and rejoiced. You're living in it. I'm living in it. Oh, the seduction of Hollywood, the seduction of the enemy, the seduction of, the, of, of phones and technology. I love this. Got an iPhone 7 Plus. How many got one of those? Got, a, got an iPhone. I love this. I learned this from Stephen Furtick. Just hold it down like that and go like that. Turn it off. Because some of you are so distracted, you can't hear anything from the Lord because you got so many stinking notifications going on, you lose your mind. You've cre- you weren't ADD before, but now you are. You've been trained to squirrel. Squirrel. Ding, squirrel. Squirrel, ding. Ding, ding. I mean, let me just say this. If you've been listening to this message in the course of the time that I've been here and have been drawn aside to answer a text, to do a, you know, I think it's okay to use, to use social media to reach out with the word and to touch people. But if you've been brought out of this anointing and into your phone to answer something, I'm telling you, it's probably not God. That thing could have waited. You might not have got what you could have got out of it if you just turn it off. Preach, Pastor Daniel, that's a good word. Thank you, Jesus. All right, let's, let's see what else we got here. Oh, that we would have a revelation that we're living in a time and an hour. A revelation that we're living in a time and hour that he's chosen us to be. You say, well, this is not what God chose me to be. Then repent and run right back and get to where you're supposed to be. If you ain't supposed to be living in Alaska, move back to where you're supposed to be. And if you were supposed to move here and you didn't move here, well, then repent and get, get up here. I call in every person that's supposed to belong to this move of God in Alaska. I call them in from the north, the south, the east, and west. I call in musicians. I call in intercessors. I call in preachers. I call in prophets and those with apostolic anointing. I call in all the resources. I thank you that the house of the Lord here in Awasilla will be built. I thank you, God, for what you're doing. God, pour out your spirit. Let the trump of God blow and bring in everybody that belongs to this move of the spirit of God in Jesus' name. We're called to co-labor with God. Look at your notes. We're called to co-labor with God to build his house. Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail. I will build my church. I will. It's God's will. It's God's will to build a church. Now, let's just go back to, to Matthew and the Great Commission that I preached to you on Sunday morning. The church is not a building, but we certainly need one. And thank God that we have one. The church is people, it's the ecclesia, the, the called out one, the redeemed, the nios, the dwelling place of God by his spirit. It's people. It can be in your home. I'm telling you. Mm. Man, I, I, I heard the Lord just say, I heard the Lord say this to me, and I know what it means. I heard him say, I'm seeing Satan fall like lightning. Ah, I know what that means. 
I know what that means. You say, what does that mean? That means when the power of God is put on display through the local church, that the powers of darkness are pushed out, are pushed back, that the clouds of depression, the suicidal assignments, the works of the devil, poverty and lack, are pushed back. I see Satan falling like lightning. There's a church. There's a church that will rise in this hour. There's a people that arise in this hour. These are the greatest days, and you're living in them. Ah! Oh! Yes! 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 Come on, shout to God with a voice of triumph. That's you. You're the church. You're his chosen vessels. We're supposed to co-labor with God. be seated unless you want to stand you can run too if you want to 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 verse 20 now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians goes on to say, We then, as workers together with him, let's say that again. We then, as workers together with him, let, let's, let's try that again. We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Think about the God of all creation. He stepped out of eternity, took the hem of creation, struck the anvil of time and caught the sparks, and he threw them out. Named the stars. He knows every one of them by name. God of all creation who made you, he made me. He could do it all by himself, but he doesn't. He picks the likes of us. Why would God choose us I mean I'm befuddled by that befuddled because we, you know we don't think of ourselves we think of ourselves as the JV we think of ourselves as someone how can the until you're until you really get sanctified through and through go to an encounter and you get set free and start to realize who you really are if identity theft, who, who God is and who God is in you, who you are in Him changes everything. You realize you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You begin to walk differently. I get so fed up when I hear people say, we're just sinners. Well, you might be, but I'm not. I'm not I don't think of myself that way. I, I'm not just a sinner. I don't go around sinning. Sinners sin. I don't do that. I don't go around sinning. I go around walking and talking with God in the cool of the day as best I can. And I, you know, we all stumble and mess up in various ways, and then we repent. But if you think of yourself as a sinner, so a man thinks in his heart, so he is. If you think of yourself as a sinner, then you're going to sin a whole lot more. I don't think of myself that way. I think of myself as a man of God. I think of myself as the right of God in Christ Jesus. I think of myself as greater as he that's in me than he that's in the world. I think of myself, oh, God can do all things through me. Oh, that through these hands, oh, I can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Ah, I can speak in new tongues. Come on, the devil runs when I wake up. My, I'm known in heaven.
heaven and feared in hell. That's who I am because that's what God's word says. That's what God's word says. You're no worm. You're no dirtbag. You're the right. You're a chosen, precious, holy people set apart, brought out of darkness. it's so difficult because you're in a battle it's right in your notes Duh. battle if the devil come on the devil wants to attack you because you're the apple of God's eye he's so nervous about you getting a hold of the message I'm preaching to you if you just got 10 minutes of it and digested it you'd be walking in victory There's a battle. There is a devil, a real devil. There is a place called hell. And the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But if you'll rise up and your blood bought right and dominion, begin to take authority over him. We must keep a focus on what God's called us to do. Reach the lost at any cost. Something Dr. Morocco said to me probably, I don't know, 18 years ago or something, a long time ago, he said to me, uh, he said, Daniel, don't ever forget to keep your focus on what you're called to do. And as we've pastored churches these many years and been in ministry, that's a key for never getting, never getting sidelined. Because there's all kinds of yapping problems and gnats there's all kinds of side roads and things you can get tied up in people's criticism. People making accusations, saying things and sending mean stuff and rejecting you or hurting your kids or hurting your wife or hurting your spouse. There's all kinds of things that you could get all messed up in, man. We're not here for the accolades. I'm not here for the applaud. I'm not here for the, for the accolades or for the crown. I'm not here for the robe and I'm not here for the ring. I'm here for the fight to see the kingdom of God come. I'm here. God has anointed us to do it. There's a breakthrough happening for you if you'll just shake off all the gnats and shake off all the flies and quit looking at all the wind and the waves and begin to focus on Jesus, the author and the perfecter, the finisher of your faith. You begin to lift your voice every morning and get some fresh manna. Begin to prophesy over yourself and over your kids. You begin to declare that you're the head and not the tail. You kick poverty out. You start tithing if you don't tithe. Stop it. Stop. God has no problem blessing you. And right now, you even have a demon whispering to you to tell me, oh, it's about money. That's a demon. I gag it, muzzle it, and then break it off of you now. You need to get free from your greed problem. That's not God's problem. I don't have the problem either. Come on, you can get free. There's a battle. Focus on what's important. Focus on eternity. You got to continually remind ourselves of what God has done already. Oh, I'm preparing this and thinking about what God has done in this church. What God has done in my life. Don't, don't ever get spiritual amnesia. You know what that is? That's forgetting what God has set you free from. What, come on, remember where you used to be two years ago, totally tormented. You used to be stuck and messed up. Remember, remember when you had nothing. Remember when you were so brokenhearted, or maybe when the enemy whispered to you, it'd be better for you to take your own life. Remember where God brought you out of. Remember when you first got saved. Come on, shake yourself from the critical spirit that you have and begin to move over into gratitude. 
Come on, some of you thought that God should have done it already. Now you are with wrinkled knees and wrinkled nose and wondering, well, where is it? He's an on-time God. Trust Him. Trust Him. Repent for the shortcomings and just get back in line with Him. Remind yourself of what He's done. You know, I think about the fact that He gave us His property. It's absolutely a miracle. I think about what He's doing, Brother Wally. It's a miracle. The Lord is calling us up. Come on, write it down. The Lord is calling us up. The Lord is, what? He's calling us up. Three times a year, we have challenges to give. And we just went through that on Sunday. A challenge to give towards the division of the house. And uh, I'm going to take another offering right now. So ushers, I want you to help me. If you have not participated in this, I'm challenging you to stretch your faith. So I already did. Well, praise the Lord. But maybe, maybe he wants to do something more. Because, listen, you can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. I'm telling you that this building will be built. But it ain't about the building. Don't ever think it is. I've heard, I've heard even out of my own mouth, well, once we get, this was years ago, you know, once we get this or that, then, then people will come. Oh, no. You start reaching them now. You start, you start breaking through now. Let the preaching and the prophesying of prophets and preachers and teachers fire you up. You push yourself away from discouragement. There's people that won't want to go with you. And I learned this. I said it on Sunday. But you know what? If they don't want to go with you, let them go. There, there's people who think you're crazy at every turn. You know something? That's fine. It's okay. It hurts a little bit. But thank God they were with you for the time they were. But after they leave, just hug them, bless them, and send them on their way. Look, it's a painful thing. It's a painful thing to try to hold on to somebody that the Lord's trying to remove you from. And sometimes that's family. Come on, there's times when you just need to distance yourself. You need to put a boundary because they're just not healthy, not good to be around. They're, 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 they're a naysayer. They suck the life right out of you, like latch on like a vampire, suck the blood right out of your neck. Before you know it, after, after you leave, Spending time with them, you just feel like you just need to get saved again. We're like, well, they're my relatives. Listen, some relatives need to be put on ice. Lovingly. Smile at me. You ain't smiling. I, I'm, I, I guess I got to stay on that point. It's okay. Listen, Peter, James, and John. Jesus hung out with Peter, James, and John. He didn't do every miracle with every 12 disciples, all the disciples. Peter, James, and John, faith, hope, and love, those are the ones that were really close to him. And the other ones, they were distanced. You say, why is that? I just know it's a principle. You gotta love everybody. You fellowship with some. Fellowship with some. I mean, real deep fellowship. I love everybody. Have fellowship with some, but you build your life on sons and daughters. Hello, what are you talking about? In your business, in your family, you teach your kids, you build on sons. You, you know what I mean by that? Someone has your DNA. Someone that just take a bullet before ever backstabbing you or hurting you. Do you understand? Am I getting through? It's a powerful message tonight. 
Let's go ahead and receive that offering. And this is going towards the building of our new building. God has blessed us with a tremendous breakthrough. We need 50 grand for it. You spell 50, F-I, all right, you got it? Good. Lord, you can do it through me. Lord, we thank you. Come on, let's pray. We thank you for what you've done tonight. We thank you that you will build your church. Lord, it's, it's about people. Every obstacle, fear, go. Compromise and discouragement, go. All the tactics of the Sumerians, the, the enemy, fall to the ground now. And we will stay on fire. We will stay encouraged. And we will prosper for the sake of the house of the Lord. As David said, I will seek your prosperity. We will prosper in all that you've called us to do, God, for the glory of God. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's just go ahead. Tasted the world's morning love. Its promises Water and wine, I empty the cup. I found myself on. scripture and then we're just going to pray and then we'll close here in a moment it's a scripture that I opened with it's in Ezra 1 and verse 1 in the first year of Cyrus king of Persia now listen closely to this in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah the Lord moved on the heart of Cyrus the king of Persia there's prophetic words there's there's foreknowledge and there's forthtelling. Forthtelling is declaring something that is simply not going to happen unless you speak it forth. Of course, it's got to be the word of the Lord. It can't be your own, your own imagination. Although there is a sanctified imagination. In fact, I gave somebody a word before church. Sometimes we want, 
you know, God, I want to do your will. I want to do your will. And, you know, when you're doing God's will and you're living for him and walking with him, he's like, wonderful. What do do you want? Did you catch that? It's not heresy because what you want is what you you desire to have. Many times he's placed there and he's partnered with you. You're co-laboring with him. So he'll ask you, well, what what do you want? Because because you want his will. And it's kind of like... He does this partnering thing. There's a maturity that comes in your walk with the Lord where you, you don't have to be all twisted and, and wondering. He... Fourth telling is declaring something that the Lord is going to do that simply won't happen unless you say it. In the first year, Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word, in order to fulfill the word. So, so God gives Jeremiah a word. He speaks the word. And then when the time comes, God, in order to fulfill that, touches the heart of Cyrus. Listen, there's a realm. There's a realm that you can walk in that maybe you've never been before. Don't, don't be reduced to a religious person. There's a place where the burden and the yoke will break, there's a place of supernatural power. You said, are you walking that? Well, not as much as I'd like to, but I, I'm forgetting that which lies behind. I'm pressing on to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm endeavoring to. I'm, 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 I'm practicing His presence. And I, Come on. Sometimes I get so tied up with administrative stuff in my mind, I just think, Jesus. Come on, lift your hands all across this place. What is the Lord going to do? If you say, I don't know, then that's what you get. You get the I don't know word. What's he going to do in your life? What's, what's he going to do? Come on, think about what is the will of the Lord for your life? He said, well, I don't know all of it. Okay, do you know some of it? Prophesy that part. Oh, he's going to make the head, not the tail. He's going to make me debt free. I'm going to be a good steward. I'm going to be debt free. How about that? You think that's God's will? It is. It says in the word of God, it's got to match with the word. Oh, no man a debt except the debt of love, right? So you're going to be working to get debt free. That's a good That's a good prayer. Lord, I pray quicken us that even through the preaching and the prophesying of our own mouth, you will create the fruit of our lips. Now prosper your people. Break off unbelief. Break off the assign of the enemy, fear and greed. Break off, Lord, that which the Sumerians have tried to place upon us. And we will see the house of the Lord built. With shouts of grace, grace to it. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here and you're not right with God, I want to give you an opportunity to give your heart to Him for the first time or make a recommitment to Him. If that's you, you say, that's me, Pastor Dan. You want to be included in this prayer, just lift your hand right now. You want to get right with God. God bless you. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand all the way in the back. I see that hand. Raise your hand high. Don't, don't put it down until I see. I see all the way in the back. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Back row. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Praise God. God bless you right there. Thank you. God bless you. My goodness. God bless you. Praise the Lord. If you're serious, you meant business with God, get out from where you're standing. Meet me right here as Pastor Alex sings. Come on. Right here. Come meet me right here. Quickly come. Service is almost over. Come on up. As close to my hand as you can. Come on. Closer, a little closer. Oh, 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 oh. 
Can I get right with Jesus? You guys ready over here? All right. This is not a religious thing we're doing, although it could be considered that. It's real. You're, you're repenting of your sin. You're asking Jesus to forgive you, to come into your heart, to be your Lord and Savior. That's serious. That's awesome. It's called good news. Pray with me right out loud. Just right out loud in your own words, as you follow me, I should say, right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place. Forgive me for all of my sins. I believe that Jesus not only died, but rose again from the grave. In the same way, take away all my sins and raise my life up now. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Wash me and cleanse me and make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Now say this. Say, I'm born again. I'm on my way to heaven. The curse of sin is broken. Every chain, every bondage is broken by the power of the name of Jesus. I'm free. I'm full of purpose. I'm going to have a hunger for the Word of God. I'm going to fulfill everything that God has for me by His power with the help of others.